Hey everybody, Larry Powell here, your host for Studio HFL, where you truly do hear from legends. I'm going to be flying solo for the first few minutes tonight. Uh, Eric is going to be here in, a, in just a few minutes, and apparently I did not do my due diligence. I thought I did with the time change. Uh, he is on the complete other side of the world, and you know, I guess I, I got my abacus, uh, the beans all... Uh, misconstrued, uh, discombobulated, whatever you want to say. Uh, but he was planning on an hour from now, but he's he's getting ready. He should be here in just a few minutes. So in that amount of time, <clears throat> I'm going to go ahead and do some promo for uh, this coming month. First of all, thanks to Trent Austin and Austin, Austin Custom Brass for sponsoring the April series of interviews. And of course, um, Austin Custom Brass austincustombrass.biz, .biz, not .com, not .net, it's .biz. And of course, if you're a fan of Trent Austin and you see what he does on social media, uh, practically every day, he is showcasing a new instrument that he's brought into the shop or a new mouthpiece uh, or playing some ridiculous jazz tune, jazz lick. Uh, Trent's a great guy. If you've not had a chance to check out Austin, Austin Custom Brass, uh, you need to do that. Uh, and of course, uh, tonight, Eric Miyashiro, and uh, he's, like I said, he's going to be joining us in just a few minutes. Uh, this coming Saturday, now this is a change in time. Normally, these are Tuesday nights at 8 o'clock, but this coming Saturday at 10 a.m., sorry, April 10th, uh, I, I'm too dis distracted, April 10th, this Saturday, 9 a.m. Eastern, that's New York time, uh, we have Sergei Nikaryakov. Now, Sergei is on the other side of the world as well. That's why we had to do the time change for this. Uh, it's going to be 9, uh, 9 p.m. for Sergei this Saturday. But that's a time different than we normally do. Tuesdays at 8, traditionally. This one uh, special. I, of course, I'm not going to pass up the opportunity to talk to Sergei. Uh, that's going to be a great uh, interview, of course. Uh, then on the 20th, of April, back to Tuesday nights at 8 p.m. I've got uh, probably one of the most chill, uh, not very outspoken, uh, a man with no opinion on anything. And of course, you know, I'm being sarcastic with that. Of course, Mark Gould, uh, retired now from the Metropolitan Opera Orchestra, uh, will be my guest that Tuesday evening. That is sure to be a good time for everybody. Uh, then the last interview of the month is going to be with Gabriel DiMartino. Of course, I'll make this compare or this uh, this uh, connection once because Gabriel is certainly his own trumpet player, but he of course is uh, the son of Vincent DiMartino, a uh, very well-known and well-respected trumpet player, pedagogue, friend, uh, not just to trumpet players, but to musicians. And uh, that's going to be, that's going to wrap it up for April. So we've got Eric tonight, um, who will be here in just a few minutes. Uh, Sergey on Saturday at 9 a.m. Uh, Mark Gould on the 20th at 8 p.m. Gabriel DiMartino on the 25th at 8 p.m. And while we're waiting, I'll also promote my new shirts here. And you can see the WTF, the World Trumpet Force. Uh, Ventilabis Magis translates as blow harder. Uh, established 2020. Of course, I think that's a pretty 
Uh, it could also be translated as push harder. Either way works uh, for trumpet players, especially coming out of last year. This shirt that I'm modeling, yes, this is my pointing out the design look. It's a distressed logo on an olive green shirt. It can be available on olive, black, or yeah, that's it, olive or black. <clears throat> I've also got, there's the black. Uh, that looks great on there. Uh, and that's probably my best modeling look ever. Uh, here we are with, um, yeah, same design. Here we are. Here's the other one. Uh, the World Trumpet Force, We Will Not Be Silenced. Uh, my wife chose the design, uh, that little Harmon mute, and put that together there. I love that shirt. That is also available on black and gray. So those are available on the Studio HFL merchandise store at studiohfl.com slash merch and those right now are at $30 that includes shipping for that and let's see what else can I so oh it looks like we've got Eric joining us here I'm going to scroll over here there we are hear me ah uh, yes uh, can you hear me uh yes yes I can excellent okay so I need to change where Got to get my headphones fixed here. Okay, are you are you still there? Yep, I'm here. Okay. Oh. Okay, Eric, welcome. Uh, Larry, hey, sorry for this, man. Uh, no, you know, I've, I, I've been on here. Uh, I tell you what, flying solo for the last 15 minutes. <laughs> Uh, that's out of my comfort zone, man. I, I was, uh, you know, I'm used to asking a question and then sitting back and, and listening to, to people talk. And, oh, my gosh, I was like, I started telling my entire life story, right? Waiting for you to <laughs> log on. But, I, you know, I've been honest with people. Hang on one second. We're switching sides. I've been honest with people telling this is not your fault. This was my fault in trying to figure out uh, figure out the time zone. So, Man, yeah. uh, this is great. We're officially meeting right now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I guess we didn't, you know, take into account uh, about the, I guess the the time, um, the daylight savings. Maybe that's what it was because I think when we booked this, it was before that. So yeah, I I should have I should have double checked that. So where are you at the moment? Uh well, I'm, I'm in Tokyo. <laughs> and, okay. Uh, I mean, I mean my uh. Uh, my 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 son's room actually. This is not my uh, <laughs> actual you know my working room, but uh, right. Uh, anyway, but uh, hey, first of all, Larry, um, really sorry about uh, making you wait this long. You no, know it's, what it's what, okay. what I mean? No, no, what I mean is that you know we tried to plan this like several months ago. <laughs> we did, and, yeah, and uh, you know I kept uh, you know um, making you change, reschedule, and and thank you, thank you so much for your patience. Oh, and, absolutely, and also uh, thank you for uh, asking me to do this. Uh, it's always an honor to uh, be asked to talk about you know the, the the thing that I love the most, which is the trumpet and the music. So uh, yeah. this is a yeah, it's a great uh, pleasure to be uh, able to do this. So. Uh, Thanks, and uh, let's get started, I guess. Yeah, you're very welcome. I tell you, um, I emailed somebody else today, uh, Sean Jones. I've been trying to get Sean Jones, and I think, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep asking until I get him to say yes, right? And you had said yes. It was just finding 
availability. I mean, of all the people, you were actually starting to get busy playing, get getting back into working, I think, sooner than a lot of the rest of us. And that's, you know, that's what interrupted our, our ability to actually schedule something. Um, so, you know, that's great that, uh, you know, it, it had to feel good to start getting back to work when you did. Oh, my God. I guess the situation here in Japan is much better than anywhere else. Uh, uh, we got back into action around June, I guess, uh, last year. And the studios came back around the, at the same time and a lot of the live concerts. for But for classical people, the, the orchestra stuff, um, man, it took... It took a, a little, a little, little more time, yeah. a little bit of more time to uh, get back to reopen those concert halls, and you know, um, so. Um, but things are going okay right now. We're the numbers are getting high again, mm. so a lot of the live gigs are getting canceled, but uh, the studio stuff is still uh, in action, and a lot of, a lot of the musicals. Uh, stage shows and um, the TV studios are uh, back in action as well. So, um, do they have live okay. audiences, or or is that just all live streamed? Are the concerts and TV shows is all well, with an audience, audience? Or the audiences are back, but it's a uh, with the limited uh, numbers, uh, so half capacity of any mm -hmm. any house. Mm -hmm. So, um, as far as like, I was I was just on the phone. With one of the uh, the top calls, uh, uh, legit guy yesterday, and he said that um, you know the, the 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 ticket sales are back, mm -hmm. but they're they're only letting half people, half capacity, so they're not making any money at all. But they're they're they're, they're gonna lose more if they don't play. So you know that's the option that the only option that they have. So they're. A lot of the orchestras here are crowdfunding um, mm -hmm. to try to just sustain the members of the orchestra. Mm -hmm. I understand it's the same with the, the U.S. or anywhere in the world. It, it's still a mess over here, you know, and, and from the regional orchestra, you know, even the smallest community orchestra to the regional to the, the full-time orchestras, it is just, uh, it's a hot mess. And, you know, you've got some orchestras really doing a great job of, of trying to stay in the public eye and do things, uh, even if they're live streamed, you know, trying to maintain a connection with the audience. And then you have some orchestras that, that uh, well, there's nothing going on. And I think that's, that's not just a shame. I think that's a travesty. You know, that's, uh, we're gonna, we're gonna lose, uh, not to be Debbie Downer on this, but we're gonna lose, uh, I think a lot of that audience, right? Out of sight, out of mind for such a long time. Uh, mm -hmm. so yeah, they, I shouldn't get too high on my soapbox on that right now, but you know, as a performing musician myself, I mean, this hurts, you know, and, and I can only control so much. And, you know, I'm looking at, at what you have, you have your own band, right. And you can kind of be in somewhat control of your, uh, your gigs, right. I mean, you're, you're the one who decides whether or not to book or try to book. Right. And, you know, here I am waiting for a personnel manager from one of the orchestras to call me. You see what I mean with the difference there. Um, so, yeah, uh, it, it can't be soon enough. I think that we all get back to this because I think everybody, audiences especially, are, are itching 
uh, to get back to that live experience. Um, uh, I want to ask, um, and I kind of gave this away uh, while I was waiting for you to get on here, but um, it, it was kind of a silly question here. Uh, who, I wonder, influenced you the most as a trumpet player? <laughs> Which I think is, you know, if anybody watches and listens to you and your energy, of course, you know, I, I think it's it was Maynard uh, by far. Uh, is that maybe not the first person that really uh, shaped or grabbed your attention or, or was it Maynard from the very beginning? You know, um, ever since this pandemic started, uh, I've done many of these interviews on, um, and, you know, the, the most often, you know, one of the, the questions that I get asked the most is, is, is this and who influenced me? And, uh, I, you know, I, I started to really think about this, and uh, going back to the very beginning, I guess uh, I would have to say it's my dad, because mm -hmm. uh, yeah, he was a professional trumpet player in Honolulu, and he was a very talented musician. He not only played trumpet, he played guitars, piano, um, the vibraphone, uh, flute. And he wrote, arranged, and he played classical music during the day, mm. and he did jazz gigs during the night. So, uh, you know, um, as a kid, I tagged along uh, to his many, all, all his gigs, um, even the night gigs. I was like three, four, maybe five um, to the nightclubs and just hang out till about, you know, one or two in the morning. My, my, my mom hated it, but... Uh, I loved it. I mean, you know, just just hanging out with my dad and just listening to music all day. So I would have to say uh, my dad is that sort of a catalyst that, you know, kind of started the whole thing. But you're, you're right. You're exactly right about Maynard. Uh, I freaked out. One day um, I, I was, I, I think I was uh, around 10 or 11. I just started playing trumpet. And my dad brought he he, uh, he he bought me, you know, maybe he had those albums, maybe. He brought me these couple of albums of all these different trumpet players. Uh, Chet Baker, uh, Maurice Andre, mm -hmm. um, some of the, uh, oh yeah, the, the uh, Roger Boisson and uh, Amanda Guitala mm -hmm. uh, albums. And, and there was a Maynard album. And I remember this distinctly because uh, uh, it was a live at Jimmy's album oh. uh, for, yeah. yeah, we all know, yeah, it's a it's a holy yeah. grail of uh, yeah, yeah right. Maynard. Anyway, so I was looking at the album cover and man, you know, it's, it's a who's this funky looking guy, you know, it's, and um, I started listening and it just blew my mind, not so much about the high note, but uh, I was more blown away by the energy that that I felt um, coming out of that 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 hit his horn, and I didn't really, you know, you know, I was listening to Maurice before that, and I was, you know, he, all this piccolo stuff, and um, <clears throat> I was thinking, man, that's beautiful, and then back to back, this here's Maynard again, a high note thing, 
and you know it was, it was it was thinking man this guy is unbelievable in upper register too but you know he's just a, just a, such a different energy and and i said to all right i'm not sure what's happening but uh you keep coming back man and that's that's making me happy so <laughs> Okay, you know what I try to do. I, I try to uh, uh, reboot my system, uh, and I try to uh, different browser. But uh, I hope this kind of stays. Okay. <laughs> I hope okay. this hangs out. Yeah. So, so Ryan, anyway. Ryan, yeah, he said uh, he felt like you were about ready to give you know the secret uh, answer for everything. But you were talking about <clears throat> the live at Jimmy's experience and. You know, of course, the high notes between Maurice Andre and, but it was also the energy that you were getting from Maynard, right? I think that's where we left off. Yeah, um, I've never in my in my life tried to, uh, you know, um, figure out how high I could play, and that wasn't the thing that impressed me with all these great trumpet players that I've met in the past. Um, it was more of a energy that I got, um, the the feeling that I got from these, uh, you know, like Maynard and uh, Bill Chase. Uh, I wasn't so not really impressed with Cat Anderson or a uh, Bud Brisboy. You know, uh, no, uh, you know, I, you, this might be pissing a lot of people off, but <laughs> um, you know, it's it's uh, it's not the the super high that really got got me excited it was more of a you know a, just give me a, a, a nice fat juicy high f any day you know uh compared to like you would you thought you know thin um ear piercing you know, triple f you know right. and that's yeah and and that was i guess um early in my life um uh again going back to hawaii uh, tagging along with my dad, um, it was one day I was I was in high school maybe at this time, and he had a recording session, and I tagged along, and it was early in the morning. It was like eight thirty session, and it was a, a recording session for uh, this singer, the local Hawaiian singer, and it was a horn section, uh, like three horns. I uh, know it was a it was a four horn section, two trumpet, a bone, and a and a saxophone. Anyway. Um, and my dad wasn't playing lead and he was, he was playing, he was sitting in a second chair and I, and the, the, the lead player wasn't there yet. And nine o'clock comes by. He's like, he's half an hour late. Gary Grant walks in. Um, and I, I, um, he sat down and, and he didn't even warm up. He just put his mouthpiece and his horn and he proceeded to nail the chart. It was unbelievable. And I was really impressed with the, the energy and the, the precision that he played and uh, just the sheer volume that he, he was like, he was super loud. I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't like blaring loud, but he was like really projecting and he was filling the, 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 the section and he was leading the way, you know, the, musically and the, the, the whole thing about, you know, what, how, how he played that day really, uh, changed my mind about um, how to be a lead player. Well, and... let, let me jump in right here because, uh, you know, when I listen to you play, it, you know, you, and, you know, people think, oh, you know, Eric's a high note guy. But when I hear you play, 
you're really musical. You're not just, you know, like a one one trick kind of guy. I mean, yes, you can play high, but you play really musically. And like you just said, you play, you learned how to lead. But I think, you know, listening to Maynard and those guys might inspire people to, to play higher. But I think where the mus- musicality comes from is what you were describing as, you know, at three and four years old, is you were being surrounded. And even before that, you were hearing stuff all the time. That's where all this... Eric. I'm back. Oh my uh, God, he's back. Yeah, I, I don't know what happened there. Um, so it kind of looks... Uh, kind of looks like I guess we're still live on this. Uh-huh. <laughs> okay. Well, um, I mean, I lost everything there for a second. I, maybe it's on my end, but I've got a, a, a what looks like a great signal. So, okay. Um, well, we can keep going if you like. Well, it's up to you, Larry. Um, yeah, let's keep going. Let's keep going. Okay. Uh, we'll get some people uh, let, let... back. Okay, let, let me just say a hi to Bruno, my my uh, Brazilian yeah. brother. Yeah. Bruno, man, I miss you, man, and looking forward to uh, doing the uh, JTF uh, later in the year. Uh, I guess in June, right? So, uh, my best to uh, Otaviano and everybody, man. So, uh, thanks for joining, Bruno. <laughs> You know, it was at the Miami ITG conference. Uh, Bruno and I actually shared a, a an apartment with two other trumpet players that week. Oh my god! And yeah. it's like everywhere I went, everybody's like, "Hey, Bruno! Hey, Bruno!" I'm like, "Who is this guy?" You know, it turns out, I mean, everybody knows Bruno. <laughs> he's the man, man. He's a party animal too. So uh, he's a great trumpet player as well. Yeah, yeah, I know. Oh, yeah. I, I he was actually one of my early interviews. You know, I was I was great. Uh, it was great to talk Uh-oh. to him, and uh, so. Um, yeah. Uh, so, you know, I guess what I, I don't know if you remember what I was saying to you when I when, when I cut out, but uh, basically that, uh, you know, you're such a musical player. You've got the high notes for sure, but it's not just a trick. Right. I mean, you're really out there. The energy's there. But that didn't just come from listening to Maynard. That came from all those gigs you were going to with your dad and those albums you were listening to. And right. That's I think that's really what shaped uh shaped you early on well being in hawaii growing up in hawaii in in the 70s uh was a great time to be there because uh, there are a lot of music happening in town um a lot of the hotels in waikiki uh carried a house band Mm -hmm. and and guys like john madrid uh ollie mitchell um jesus uh larry hall Chuck Finley would, would come by time to time. And Jerry Hay, there's another guy that really changed my life. Mm-hmm. Uh, listening to Jerry, I play with the... Then uh, the band was called Ox, and later became the Sea Wind. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, and those guys would have a, sort of a rehearsal band, a kicks band, they would call it, uh, during the day at the Musicians' Union. They would get other local guys or the the guys from LA who played mm-hmm. in the uh, the hotels and they just play charts to uh, you know just 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 to have fun to you know get away from the the show stuff that they do every day mm-hmm. so anyway i would just sneak in to the rehearsal and uh and we'll just uh, soak in that 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 sound you know and and like i said uh what imp- i i didn't know anything about 
uh, the theory or I, I couldn't improv. So I didn't know even I, I didn't I didn't understand a lot most a lot of the things that they were playing. But all I understood was that the the, the feeling that I that I got from the trumpet section and the and the big band, the wall of sound, and at the same time, um, the orchestras like Boston, uh, Chicago, uh, there was Rochester came in I think, um, St Louis. It was in Detroit, but anyway, and a lot of the uh, the top uh, orchestras would pass by Hawaii too and do a concert. Mm. And my just it's happened that um, it so happened that that the the biggest concert hall was uh, situated right next to my high school, mm. so I would cut class and I would just sneak in to the rehearsal. Mm-hmm. And catch you know catch the rehearsal and just watch them play, and again listening to Herset and listening to you know guys like Tim Morrison and mm-hmm. you know these guys Tom Stevens oh my god, and just floored me. So it was all the music wasn't sort of a, I didn't really um, different you know uh, I, I, I didn't say jazz Latin. Classical or mm-hmm. uh, wind ensemble, it, it was all music to me. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and, and I was doing everything. I was, um, um, my high school didn't have a marching band or a jazz band, so mm-hmm. I made my own jazz band. And I knew I was going to be a musician, I wanted to be a musician, so I would cut class, uh, those classes that were. Uh, I felt that wasn't needed for a musician, like history class or uh, home ec or physical ed. Mm-hmm. And I would cut class and I would just uh, drive to a different school and sit in with another school's band rehearsal. <laughs> my 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 dad was pretty well known, and all the band directors knew who he was and who who I was. So uh, yeah. They kind of reluctantly let me sit in with their band, so I would I I was playing every day, all day long, and all different music. So uh, everything was um, um, progressing at the same time. So it wasn't all jazz or all wind band or all marching band stuff. So, so anyway, um, the large ensemble. And I understand you're a principal trumpet player too, so you know that feeling mm-hmm. of sitting on top of uh, a section, and that the, the the feeling you get when everything <gasps> clicks. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh my God. You know, uh, the, the the trumpet is such an alpha instrument that you know um, it the the um, this kind of be, uh, reminds me of the uh, the time that I, I hung with a bud, but hers it. Um, I met Bud when I was in high school, and from time to time I would go cross path with you know at the, the brass conference or the ITG or what what whatever you know. And he was the the Chicago was in in, in Chicago was in Tokyo about twenty five years ago, um, and I've done an interview, and they hired me. And and they hired uh, another classical trumpet player. It was two of us doing the interview, and, and I was thinking to myself, why did they me? You know, why why would you ask me to interview 
but her said, but ma'am, I'm happy to be here. So anyway, so I sat and waited until the guy, the classical guy, do his thing. And that interview just lasted about 20 minutes. Mm. He would ask, you know, those standard questions about, you know, what did you study? Where did you study? Who were your influences? Mm -hmm. And, you know, uh, what what was it like to be working with, you know, uh, Shoti and whoever and you know it was a generic standard question and bud seemed kind of a little bored with that and came my turn and and he says hey i know you right says, yeah yeah we've met several times mm-hmm. i'm a trumpet player with buddy rich's band he says, oh my god yeah 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 and our portion of the interview lasted two hours <laughs> <clears throat> we, we just sat and we talked about main iron and doc and and he told me um, right off the bat, and he says it. He said that Eric, man, um, uh, you know who, you know what was my big biggest influence uh, of becoming the the principal trumpet player? What kind of motivated me? And I asked, I asked him what, and he said that uh, when he was drafted during the Second War mm-hmm. in, into the Navy, and there wasn't, you know, as, as you know, the Navy doesn't have orchestra. <clears throat> so he spent most of the time uh in a marching band or in a big band and he said i learned more in that year and a half i spent mm-hmm. on uh, the big band than the four years that i studied it you know with all these wow. great trumpet players <laughs> and I, I asked him what, what what do you mean and he said that well you know when you think about it trumpet is an instrument that ignites should be setting uh, the ensemble on fire, whether it's you know, brass ensemble, orchestra, wind ensemble, or a jazz band. Trumpet is that kind of a, uh, you know, uh, alpha instrument who, who should be able to, you know, ignite that, that exciting fire part of the music. And a big band is a perfect place to learn that. And, you know, he said that for, so, um, he said uh, there was a concert in Carnegie. It was the first performance of uh, the Firebird. Uh, it was conducted by um, Stravinsky himself. Mm-hmm. And he said that when that, um, you know, the last movement was over, the it, it was like the last chord of a you know, big Stan Kenton big band. Right? <laughs> and he said, you know, oh man, the audience were on, on fire. We're on fire and Man, everybody was like, you know, just screaming and yelling and standing ovation. And mm-hmm. it, it was unbelievable. It was like a jazz concert, he said. Mm-hmm. So he said that, you know, um, you know, when you're uh, sitting on the first trumpet or the lead trumpet, you know, wh- 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 whatever ensemble that you are in, uh, the, if you're a lead player, you should be able to, you know, interpret that, that energy that the excitement part of the mm-hmm. of that music with with the the trumpet and he said he also said this kind of really st- still stuck you know st- stuck on me, stuck on my mind um to this day he said that um he asked you know he asked me hey eric so do you listen to all these young orchestras no he said he asked me do you listen to all these young uh, orchestra trumpet player the, the current like you know young lead uh, the principal trumpet players mm-hmm. and he said yeah I, I sure do I you know, try to keep up and try to listen to them 
and he said that well uh and can you can you tell the difference between uh the san francisco uh detroit cincinnati and you know whatever you know um orchestras that's currently you know putting out these new albums and and he asked me that and i said well i i i can't um well, maybe because I, I'm, you know, not not really knowledgeable about these players, but I can't. And Bud said that, well, I can't, I can't tell the difference either. Everybody sounds beautiful. Everybody per- plays perfect. They don't miss. Uh, everybody blends well. And he said, and and I don't really particularly like that way of uh, the play. You know, the, the people are playing nowadays. In my days, he said that you know you heard. Uh, one note from a New York Philharmonic, and you know it's oh man, that's Bacchiano, and just one, one well, just you know one note from a Boston, and you would know that's a guitar. Uh, and he, he said that you know um a lot of the lot of the the, the current new the young trumpet players um are more worried about how if they're blending with the strings or the clarinets, and mm-hmm. and he says no 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 the trumpet should be trumpet you know you don't want to be questioning when you're listening to something and say hey was that a trumpet you know if <laughs> if it says trumpet on your part or in the score you it should sound like a trumpet mm-hmm. and it should be played as so mm-hmm. and that really sticks to my mind you know yeah I man he's perfectly right and all the because of the maybe the, the the music's education system people are more Worried or concerned about playing everything perfect, uh, the perfection, not the make, not taking any chances. You know, playing is safe, and that's the the, the that's sucks the life out of the music. That's what Bud said. You yeah, know, when you play is safe, especially on a trumpet, and trumpet is that kind of a, an instrument that you cannot be afraid of making a mistake. So, you know, uh, have you read Mark Gould's new book that just came out? No, I may be meaning to buy that. But he talks about exactly this same thing. You know, he wants it. It's that that everybody's the same. It's all vanilla. Right. And vanilla is great. You know, I like vanilla. But sometimes you want Rocky Road. (laughs) You want to have a whole bunch of. But, you know, I I look at uh, I think there's somebody, a trumpet player that just completely. Uh, is not playing it safe for me as Thomas Conch, mm. right? I mean, you know, he, it, it's like uh, no holds barred, right? It's just, he goes for it. And I think that's why it's such an exciting, well, the whole group, right? All the guys in there, but Thomas, holy cow. I mean, that's the you kind know, of excitement you're talking about, right? Exactly. Hans, his brother oh. is the same thing too. Yeah. You know, he sounds beautiful. Oh, yeah. Oh, I love Thomas. You know, his that his character just comes out of his horn. <laughs> He's so honest with his instrument that, you know, everything he that he pulls out and puts out of, of his trumpet is yeah. him. Yeah. And yeah, you're you know, the mark, I guess in his statement is just perfect vanilla is, you know, all, you know, all around, I guess, um favorite uh, the flavor, you know, mm-hmm. um, but um, um, it's it's the same thing with uh, the jazz lead trumpet players too, and and jazz players, the improv players mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. Everybody sounds 
pretty much the same nowadays, you know. Well, you know, okay, so I'm thinking about lead players, yourself included, even though you front the band, right? Not everybody stands out out front, but uh, Roger, I think, was one who distinguished. I mean, you knew it was Roger leading Harry's band or, you know, or whoever he was with. Um, the the same thing with uh, with <laughs> Wayne, right? I mean, Wayne's sound is unmistakable, right? Uh, Mike Williams, when he was playing with Basie, right? I mean, I, I, it's like I could listen to that group and know who was playing lead. See those, and, and I don't know if you would agree with that, but yeah, you know, it, I think isn't that why you listen to those groups? I mean, as a trumpet player, is you know the band is great, but you tune in to listen to who's to who's back there, who's driving the bus, <laughs> right? Exactly. Um, I was in uh, the Buddy Rich's band in the late, well, the mid 80s. Mm-hmm. I joined the band in 84, 84, 5, 6, and Buddy died in 87. Mm-hmm. Then I took over Roger's share and Woody Herman's band. Mm-hmm. And after that, I've done a few spots with uh, Mel Lewis's band, uh, subbed on Maynard's band a couple of times. But uh, it was it was a great, well, it was a very tail end of the, the living Big band leader, I guess the mm-hmm. big band era, I guess. Mm-hmm. So um, it, it was it was it was great, uh, man. Uh, Wayne was with Maynard, uh, Roger with Woody, uh, Byron Stripling was mm-hmm. on Basie's band, and we would you know cross path at jazz festivals and whatnot uh, with the Disneyland gigs. Mm-hmm. So uh, man, we would be you know exchanging informations and. And catching up on you know the, the current you know the hot trumpet gears and the mouthpieces and well, it was a great hang. Sure. And yeah, um, in in those days, yeah, yeah, you're right. I could tell you know just one note, and that's Roger, that's Wayne, that's Byron. Oh my God! So um, you know it's like uh, going back to you know 50s and 60s, the Basies band or or the Stan Canton's band or Buddy's band, you would you, you could tell you know who played, mm-hmm. you know on 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 what album, and it's like you know um, if you're like a baseball fan, you know you could tell the the starting lineup of uh, you know the nineteen seventy two uh, Dodgers or whatever you know I could I could name the if you if you name me a year. I could tell who played on what band and you know wow. things like that. We would be, <laughs> you know, um, doing those researches. But uh, right now, you know, a um, lot of the the young players are not uh, really in touch with the the history part of the the mm-hmm. lead playing. The, it's kind of a lost art because I guess in the, the fact that there there are no traveling band anymore. Right, except so, for the service and, bands, right? I mean, very few; those might be the few. only ones. Yeah, very few. And in, in what what you learn, how to, what you learn is through uh, the school systems, or through uh, YouTube. Mm-hmm. So, um, man, you know, um, that's why maybe everybody sounds, or trying to sounds like Wayne, and and they they do try to, what um, uh, they they learn all the the wrong part of it uh, of Wayne Bergeron, meaning that uh, not, not, this is Wayne's my dear friend. I'm not mm-hmm. <laughs> talking bad about him, but you know, the, the perfection that, you know, the, the, the control that he, he's got 
and people uh, try to imitate that mm-hmm. or try to you know set that as a as a, a the bar mm-hmm. setting the bar as a Wayne Bergeron but people miss the Wayne's musicality yep. and the way he uh, uh, leads the band mm-hmm. oh my god the, the, he's 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 amazing with leading the band in a way that you know he only he can. And Roger too, you know, he's 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 got his own unique way of leading. So there are you know, so many different ways of uh, you know leading a a trumpet section or or a band. And um, man, uh, one of the things that I learned from like Bobby Shue is that uh, um, there are lead players that's gonna well there are two types. He said. Uh, one is that you know, hey, follow me. You know, you 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 match me. And there's another type that is a, uh, that would say, hey, this is the way. You know, mm-hmm. here, you go first. <laughs> you know, and, and mm-hmm. you, you with you know just empathy and you know just humanity, you know, just you know just yeah. with, lo- with love and or you know just with demand. The, the commanding lead player mm-hmm. or the other way. So, um, so there. So, you know, the, the lead playing is kind of a lost art nowadays, I think. Um, you do it differently because you're not sitting back in your section, right? You're fronting the band. Um, when you moved into that position, right, you moved out of the, you know, the back riser and out to the front, did you feel a difference in energy, uh, a different kind of energy? Um, as a trumpet player, I don't know if I phrased that question correctly, but man, um, you know, my goal, uh, when I was in when I was in Berkeley, uh, when it was when I was growing up, uh, my uh, my dream was to become the world's the greatest lead player, and um, being in front of the band and playing solo wasn't my thing. At that time, um, but I was, I hated to be, I, I hated, I tried uh, to avoid talking in front of uh, <laughs> the audience, and I, I was, I wouldn't say I was, I was shy, but I, I didn't like that part of showbiz or mm-hmm. or fronting a band was not my thing mm-hmm. in in those days, but when I moved here in Tokyo. And I was in uh, straight away. I was in the studio singing, and I had to learn how to become a studio player. But uh, my my workload sort of started to shift, um, and I was in a position of being asked to uh, make a band, uh, set up a band, and do a concert and stuff. So um, I had I was kind of forced to uh, front the front the band. Mm-hmm. And I and I I hated that I hated really, to, uh, yeah yeah uh, it was very uncomfortable uh, at first, and I would be doing Maynard Child and and I would play you know you know you you could never match Maynard, no one can and, and I, I'm always left the stage after doing those um, um, Maynard tributes and stuff. And I always left the stage thinking, what am I doing? What am I trying to do? Mm. I mean, you know, it's, um, and um, that's why I kind of, 
I'm, I'm avoiding those gigs nowadays. Mm-hmm. Uh, but anyway, um, um, uh, yeah, um, sitting in the back row was much more comfortable than being in front of the band. But um, I started to find out that uh, people really enjoyed my solo playing. And um, that kind of forced me to uh, relearn uh, the trumpet again. Hmm. Um, instead of become instead of well, if you're a lead player, if you're in in the, in the back section, you have the the trombone players, you have the sax players, you have the little distance uh, before you get to the audience. So you, the the projection mm-hmm. part of uh, the the aggressive attack and um, that that lead playing didn't really work when I was in front of the band and on in the microphone and try to play a ballad. Yeah. Um so <laughs> I had to re relearn how to um do that. And mm-hmm. once again, I I kind of stayed away from Maynard. Like I said, you know, doing Maynard chart kind of left me um uh, you know like I said, what am I what am really? I trying to do? What who am yeah. Yeah, what am I trying to who am I trying to kid? And you know, uh, because I had such a strong, I don't know, uh, image of how it should be done because I listened to Maynard so much that I didn't want to be, you know, pretending. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that uh, Maynard told me um, was kind of was, was we were at this jazz festival and and Maynard's band was there and uh, Buddy's band was there. And we were hanging out uh, in the backstage, and there was a high school band, like a, as a warm up band, right? Before we came on, and they were playing Maynard Chart. And, and there, there were a bunch of kids trying to play a high notes. And Maynard uh, is listening, and he turns to me and say, Eric, I've learned, I, I've, I've uh, ruined so many trumpet players. Oh, wow. <laughs> he kind of started laughing, you know, and and he he also said he followed that by saying that Eric, um, um, you should never try to imitate. Well, you should imitate, and you should make it your own. Mm-hmm. But you should try. You should never try to become a plastic Maynard Ferguson, mm-hmm. and so try to find your own through all these great people that you know you imitate. And mm-hmm. the, imi- the imitation is good, but. You make it your own. You make it your interpretation of that 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 you know the hero that you mm-hmm. chose to uh, follow. Mm-hmm. So anyway, um, back to your question. Um, <clears throat> yeah. Um, um, now I really enjoy being in front of the band, being in control of um, how the music is um, progressing, and how to you know uh, sort of. In, interact with the audience and stuff like that. It's it's always a challenge, but it's always very rewarding. Mm-hmm. And thinking back on my uh, road band days, uh, Buddy Rich uh, never had a set list at at concerts. You know, before we go on on the stage, uh, like Woody Herman, Woody Herman would have like a set list. Mm-hmm. Or Maynard had mm-hmm. would would have a set list uh, for each each night, and they they wouldn't change it. Um, but Buddy did not have a set list. We kind of knew he, he was going to play this or that, but mm-hmm. we never knew 
in what order or mm -hmm. in 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 out of the blue he would pull out something that we have we haven't played it in in a year mm -hmm. and he did that by watching the audience react to the first tune so we would always open up with something really super fast wind machine or you gotta try mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and he would suss out the audience how they reacted to that chart and he would pick out the second chart it would be a shuffle chart or some kind of rock chart or you know he would kind of feel the audience out and he was great at that and mm -hmm. he never spoke between the numbers mm -hmm. maybe he would say something at the very end introduce the band or something but and he always said that you know the audience are not there to you know listen to me babble you know <laughs> they're they're here to hear you listen to my music so uh, you know I, I don't i don't i don't like to talk so anyway uh you know each band leaders have their own way of doing maynard had a set uh shtick or a set you know kind of a comedy mm -hmm. comedy routine that he mm -hmm. would have and and maynard would would not change the order or the, the set tunes and that's because you know he's he's got a tough Man, man, you know, imagine playing that every night. Yeah. This thing, you know. So um, <clears throat> I kind of figured out that he would, the reason why he wouldn't change his set list was pacing. You know, mm. he would set his pacing with by setting the, the set list down and, you know, not, you know, moving from that. You know, one night you would feel good, so he pulls out this tune and, you know, and, you know, he wouldn't do that, you know. So um, that's his way of doing it. You know, Woody had a different way of doing it too. So. Yeah, you know, and you think about, uh, I, I can't imagine doing a gig these days where everything isn't just completely planned out. You know, we're not going to change anything from rehearsal, right? There's not going to be any spontaneity. Um, and I could see where, you know, that's what makes, that what, that's what makes it exciting, showing up and not knowing. Like you say, you might know the opener, you might know you're going to do, like you say, a handful of tunes, but I'm thinking that keeps the band on their toes too, right? I mean, mm. you're not just going to kind of slip into here we are at another gig running the same set list, right? So the energy of the of the band itself has got to be really high through all of that. I mean, pulling up a tune that you haven't played for a year, you know, all of a sudden you're thinking, you know, the roadmap, right? You know, I remember how to get from the beginning to the end, you know. Or or how fast is he going to take it tonight? You know, <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah. And you know the thing about Buddy, uh, from time to time he would do this. Uh, there's a bunch of charts with like an eight bar or four bars of just drums, drum breaks, mm -hmm. um, and he would purposely like speed up his solo or slow down, and just you know, right before the band comes back in, he would set the tempo back just to see if the guys in the band are listening <laughs> instead of counting right you know he, he would met or he would drop a beat or he would add a beat to his drum solos and of course the band would be crash and burn you know it would be like falling apart and here we go you know uh, after the gig he would have mm -hmm. his famous rap session and he would be screaming at us, and he said, "You know, he would say, you know, don't count drum solo. It's it's still music, mm. like a sax solo. Listen, you know, listen right. to my solo. You know, and and he's right. He perfectly, you know, he's absolutely right. 
you know, the tempo is not absolute. It shouldn't be in any music. Mm-hmm. You know, Amen. I am thing... so glad to hear you say that. Right? It's like, yeah. It, yeah. I mean, it, that, I mean, some nights a tune works at 108, and some nights it works at 132, right? I mean, it's just, you got to go with it's it. A, it's a living thing. It's it's what happens, you know, in the, the the prior, the chart before you play this, the current chart, you know, and that determines the tempo too. And the pitch as well too. If things are getting excited, you know, we're going to play sharper. And if you're playing uh, more of a somber, the sad, minor-ish ballad, you know, pitch should be, you know, a little on you know, a darker side. And tempo too, you know, if, if things got, you know, get it's getting excited, you know, tempo's gonna tempo's gonna change and you'll, yeah. you, you'll end up being faster, and that's natural. It's a natural way of the the emo the emoting part of the music, and you know, the, the, the music system again are so concerned right. about perfection on the steady drum keeper or the pitch mm-hmm. control. And you know, man, you know that's uh, that's uh, I don't think and that's it's 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 not only in jazz; it's same thing in, in classical music yeah. too. Yeah, you know, another thing about these bands is you look at the the people that Buddy surrounded himself with, or Harry Connick surrounded himself, or you know, all those bands. I mean, they were they had the cream of the crop behind them, you know. So when you're putting your band together. I mean, you're doing the same thing, right? You're thinking, I gotta have, I gotta have the best second trumpet. I gotta have the best third trombone, right? I mean, it's not just anybody who's available. I mean, you're putting together the best of the best because that's what you experienced, right? Was you were playing with with the best. Sure, but um, you know, being on the road is a completely different story. Um, You know, you're with the same guys in the 24 seven and you know, you're sleeping, eating together. Mm-hmm. And um, I mean, you know, two hours away from the stage, you're hanging out with this, you know, bunch of guys in a, in a very tight, you know, small um, tour bus. Mm-hmm. So um, of course you, you need to be a, a great player to uh, do the game, to do the job. But also you need you need to have the people skill, or be able to you know work with you know a mm-hmm. bunch of people, um, these colorful characters that you meet on 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 the road. Mm-hmm. So um, on Buddy's band, I fired uh, I think like fifteen trumpet players. Oh my gosh! <laughs> during the course of uh, three years, <laughs> and more for uh, the the personnel, or more the the vibe, right, than the playing, or or maybe a little um, bit of both. Both. Yeah, both. Yeah, um, there. Are, I, I, I can't name the school, but there are a bunch of uh, trumpet players that who came from a university that um, uh, who studied under the, the teacher that would demand or teach the students to uh, go through a routine every day of like a two or three hour uh, warm up. <laughs> I can't say who. <laughs> what school but you know these guys would need to warm up for yeah. two hours yeah. in order to feel confident enough to play but 
being on the road, you can't do that. Mm-hmm. You know, the bus is going to be, you know, traffic, caught in the traffic. We would be like a five minute, five minutes before the downbeat. The bus would drive into the venue. We would like storm out, change, and no one warm up. We got to hit the, you know, the first chart. Mm-hmm. But these guys couldn't do it. These guys, um, I think it was more psychological than anything. Well, I'm I'm going to step in here because uh, I actually was doing this routine for a few years. And I got called to play a circus job. Now, the circus, it was a weekend thing. We had three shows on Saturday, three shows on Sunday. And the circus is abusive. But I tried to show up that first day and play through my two-hour routine. And I was done by the second show. <laughs> I was like, and that's when I realized maybe I need a different approach to this because, you know, you're right. It it was psychological. It was complete for me, completely psychological. And once I realized, you know what, I'm good at five minutes. All I have to know is that my air is going and I can get a response and I'm good. Exactly. So I had to, you know, let let these people go um, because Buddy was getting a little irked of, you know, hearing uh, trumpet playing, you know, at at his hotel <laughs> before the bus left, and you know, mm-hmm. just you know. Um, but anyway, yeah, um, these guys will be completely spent after their warm up, and they'll be folding by the first, you know, the end of the the first first set. So although they're great players, that you know, but it wasn't a good fit for them. Mm-hmm. And uh, man. Um, uh, I don't know if I can. Uh, maybe I shouldn't say this. I'm, I, I'll give you another story uh, related to this. Um, I had a pleasure of working with Pat Metini yeah. uh, about six years ago. Uh, it was a jazz festival in here in Tokyo. Uh, anyway, um, I've been in touch with Pat about regarding to arrangement because I, I wrote everything that he played that day, hmm. and. Um, at the first rehearsal, before you know, trying to shake his hand or say hi, Pat, he comes running over to me and he says, "Eric, I gotta tell you this, man." And he said that um, my father was a trumpet player, my grandfather was a trumpet player, and my brother is a trumpet player, uh, Mike Matini. He's a great, great trumpet player. Mm-hmm. So anyway, uh, they're from Boston, and um, he said that in all, all through. His school years, he played trumpet, but uh, he found out early on that trumpet players didn't get the girls. <laughs> so, so he switched to guitar, and um, uh, I think he was like high school senior, and um, he uh, got a, a notice from his friend that said that at the union there was an audition for a band link called The Chase. Mm. Yeah, because um, Angel Salt, Bill Chase's um, uh, guitar player, left the band, and they're looking for a guitar player. So anyway, uh, there was an audition. So he he said he went to the uh, audition at the Union, mm-hmm. and there's a long line of you know, guitar players, the who's who in Boston area, you know, uh, many great uh, guitar players. And right before his turn for the audition, uh, some well-known guitar player cut in line said, hey, kid, I got a gig, so I got to run, so hey, uh, I need to cut in line before you, okay? Sorry, man. So he went in, and he got that gig. Mm-hmm. 
So Pat's like, you know, a little heartbroken. He says, oh, shit. Okay, man. Okay. Well, you know, tomorrow's another day. So anyway, a couple of, you know, months passes by and he, you know, uh, he opens up a newspaper and he says that, you know, uh, Bill Chase dead <laughs> um, with, right. a, wow. with, a, with a plane crash. <laughs> yeah. So he said that, man, had I won, won that audition, right? you know, maybe I, I would be here playing this jazz festival with you. So I, he passes, I thought you would like this story. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. It's, it's kind of a, a, a morbid ending to that one, you know, but um, I, I want to go back to Pat Metheny. You know, it's, there are very few uh, non-brass players, non-wind players that I've enjoyed listening to. I, and I just remember early eighties listening to some of Pat's stuff and just, uh, there was an album called first circle, I think. Oh yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. And I, I think, uh, well, it was on a cassette. I didn't have it on on an album, you know, on a on a thirty three and a third. But um, I wore that thing out. What a what a great band! And I I just I loved it. Um, so he you you worked with him. Does he still sound like like he always sounds? Oh my God, he's he's Pat Metheny. Yeah. Okay. One and only. <laughs> and uh, an, another thing that he told me, I thought that was very interesting, was that you know he uh, the. Because you know his family were you know he came from a family you know the the family line of trumpet players, mm -hmm. the 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 melody that he comes up is very trumpet like he said, and it's in that trumpet range, mm -hmm. and the the the, whole, the line is more of a trumpet list. It's not really a guitar kind of a melody kind of thing. So his approach is very like wind instrument. And well, like, maybe that's why I'm so, so attracted to that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So listen to Pat again, you know, and you know, you know, listen to the melody. Yeah. And you could kind of hear that the wind instrument kind of the the breath and that, you know, the line, mm -hmm. the the, you know, mm -hmm. yeah, it's not really like a uh guitar-ish kind of a choice mm -hmm. of notes. So mm -hmm. uh I, I thought that was very interesting too. Yeah. yeah. Um so what are things like these days and aside from the pandemic? What uh what do gigs look like for you? if life was normal i mean is it is it mostly leading your band uh yeah i'm teaching at the school i'm teaching at three different schools yeah. and uh uh my my big band's playing again um i'm doing a lot of studio work and uh, i'm writing a lot um arranging or composing the, um both mm -hmm. uh i have i have a uh, coming up with a, a Yamaha project that I need to write a chart. I can't say uh, the details about this, but it, it's a, it's a big project that I need to arrange for a brass ensemble. Mm -hmm. uh, and I'm doing a bunch of uh, um, orchestra stuff because I have an orchestra concert coming up at a tribute to uh, uh, Chick Korea. Oh, nice. So I'm doing, yeah, a bunch of um, Chick's tunes mm -hmm. for a full symphony orchestra. So, uh, um, this is a uh, another my well my newfound love. I mean, it's not really newfound, but I've always loved arranging. Mm -hmm. Never studied it and self-taught like my trumpet playing. But mm -hmm. uh, um, I'm writing a lot, so it's a it's a, it's a it's it's a challenge, mm -hmm. but it's very rewarding and gratifying. And man, it's a it's 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 kicking the ass, but uh, it's a, <laughs> it's a, <laughs> yeah. It's a great thing. 
Uh, where where are you teaching and what uh, subjects? What are you, what groups or are you doing theory, jazz, history? What what are you teaching? Um, I'm, well, uh, trumpet playing, uh, the the trumpet, uh, private lessons, mm -hmm. big band, ensemble, and um, it's sort of like a music music business. Oh, uh, one on one kind of thing, you know, just all thing that kind of related to professional work mm -hmm. situation. Uh, doing master classes with that, um, so I'm I'm a visiting professor. I'm not uh, like a regular teacher mm -hmm. that, you know. Uh, but uh, it, it does. A, that's another thing that's really I'm really enjoying is giving master classes. Mm -hmm. And with this pandemic, I'm doing a lot of online lessons and mm -hmm. uh, master classes as as well. So yeah, yeah. Did, do you enjoy teaching? Uh, did you think you would enjoy teaching? Uh, when you first no, got into it, I didn't because uh, I'm self-taught. I'm completely self-taught. I never mm -hmm. had a teacher in my life, but um, I've um, always hung uh, with the the players that I love. I always try to seek them out mm -hmm. whenever they're close to me, and try to sneak in to their you know post gigs. Uh, after our hangs and, and mm -hmm. just pick their minds and stuff and that kind of always uh being uh, a better uh teaching <laughs> situation than being in uh uh in, in a practice room having a private lesson because... well go back to what you said bud was talking about you know playing with the big band was a better uh, education better experience right than than going to school yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Exactly. You know, when you're in a practice room with a, with a private teacher, making mistake is, of course, scary, but it's not as scary as being on a stage on an actual gig and making a mistake. Mm -hmm. Man, if you if you clam a note on, on a gig, that's going to stick with you. I mean, and then, but the, you learn from that mistake mm -hmm. and you try to not make that mistake ever again. But when you're in a practice room, you have teacher to rely on and you know he'll, he'll you know you all you all the only thing that you're uh going to be worried about is um you know if he's going to be able to fix that or mm -hmm. not mm -hmm. and you're always trying to if you have a teacher if you're studying with one teacher you kind of uh i don't know limited to that one way of thinking mm -hmm. his way that what worked for him and that might not be working for you. So, all, many teachers have, you know, they're all trying to get you to the same place, but many teachers would give you a different path mm -hmm. to get there. Oh, right. And then it might not suit you, you know. Mm -hmm. You might want to take time and enjoy the scenery, or you want to have a shortcut and, you know, get mm -hmm. to right to the point. And, mm -hmm. you know, you know, it's it's a it's a lot of the teachers have a, a very strong way of disciplining their students like what we talked about earlier mm -hmm. on, earlier about two hour warm up session right so anyway i um studied sort of you know by listening to their master classes or reading their books and uh for many teachers and just chose whatever that interested me and whatever that worked for me. Mm -hmm. yeah. You know, with a master class, whether it's online or not, I mean, you've got such a limited amount of time 
with a student or, or a participant. You know, do you find, do you try to just focus on music or do you try to get into any kind of mechanics? What, what is, do you have a particular focus uh, or do you just take it as it comes? Um, I used to be really focused on the mechanical part or the, the techniques and, mm-hmm. you know, the whatnot, the equipments and stuff, you know, that really interested me and I always was kind of, uh, I blamed a lot of the things on the equipments too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, uh, but um, through all these years of, you know, making um world-class mistakes on stage and <laughs> and and you know i i always try to uh steer away from the mechanical part and really try to be honest with the music which would kind of help me set in motion of that the right the muscle memory and stuff mm-hmm. like that mm-hmm. and you know your chops will feel different Every you know we we will feel different every day, so uh, the same set of routine uh, would not work. I found that out really quick. So you know I'm always try to just focus on not the way I'm feeling, but not the way it's coming out of my horn. Mm-hmm. I don't know how to how to explain this. No, no, <laughs> I I, even, I get it. And go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, even if I'm feeling like crap, even if my chops are sore, and you know, even if I'm feeling that I'm not, even if I'm not comfortable playing, but if the music that's coming coming out is okay, and you know, connecting with the audience or the band members, then I'll leave it at, at that. You know, it's okay, okay, good, mm-hmm. fine. You know, and um, I've always I. I to this day, a lot of people send me these Buddy Rich recordings from the past. You know, the, the, the things that I've done 30 years ago. Mm-hmm. And I remember only the bad concerts. I don't remember any other, you know, the, the concerts that I, I felt that I, I played well. Mm-hmm. And just the other day, a friend of mine from Europe sent me a, a gig in Sweden that I thought I sucked on. And I remember I had a cut on my lip and I couldn't make that known and I couldn't hold that known and man I sounded weak and ah oh, man that was a bad gig and I was kind of afraid to open that file but mm-hmm. I listened to it and it was it was great it was a great concert and you get so self-centered yeah with you know one particular you know um performance or just by the way you felt that night and, and that's really self-centered you know it's not a selfish way of thinking right it's band is a band is a collective teamwork mm-hmm. you know so you have to see the bigger picture and mm-hmm. how to fit into that and, mm-hmm. and when the bands are cooking even if you're feeling a little weak that energy kind of kind of lifts you up and in the end the whole the the concert it was was a great concert mm-hmm. so there once again uh, learning you know yeah a big lesson there you know yeah so I, I want to ask uh, with a huge left turn on this, uh, Vince DiMartino. Are you, do you know Vince? Oh my God. Big fan. Huge fan. Okay. Yes. So tell, tell me a little bit of, and I, I think the world of Vinny. 
but tell me a little something uh, from your, maybe an experience you had or just anything about Vinny. Okay. Um, uh, the first Vinny uh, recording was, I think was something with Vizuti. Was Vizuti, Vinny, and it was a three trumpet. Uh, hmm. There were three trumpet players with the Eastman band, big band, I think. Was it Tyzik? Maybe, maybe it was Jeff. Mm-hmm. So anyway, yeah, there was there's one of the uh, the CD that uh, kind of uh, opened my eyes about uh, Vinny and man. Um, and later on, I saw him at the brass conference. This is like in the eighties, mm-hmm. and he gave a master class and he did a concert, but uh, he he did a, a classical recital too. He played a classical piece. And the next day, he played in a big band. And I said, holy crap, this guy can do anything. <laughs> and later on, I found a video of Vinny uh, on Clark Perry's big band. Yeah. And, man, he's a great lead player, too. Oh, my God. And listening to his master classes, man, what a wealth of information. And, right. you know. And what a huge, beautiful, you know, caring, uh, you know, uh, yeah. passionate, educated as well. So, man, you know, like I said, huge fan. But I only had one hello <laughs> about 10, 10, 15 years ago mm-hmm. at one of the ITG. And I couldn't kind of bring myself to, you know, you know, say hi and start mm-hmm. a conversation because he was always surrounded by a lot of fans anyway right. so right. yeah my, my my next goal is to you know do a hang with uh vincent dimartino <laughs> he's he's great uh, i was down at pickett in uh, lexington kentucky oh, yeah. last last monday not yesterday but a week ago and uh eric marine was there and then he came and you know he said oh you're going to be there i'm going to come in you know i'll listen to you of course i'm thinking uh you know yeah <laughs> not not while i'm testing mouthpieces but it was great you know it's, it's, he's such an encouragement um, yeah, and I, I'll tell you why I'm asking about Vinny uh, when we're off the air here in a minute. But, um, man, I'm glad things finally got connected, right? I mean, literally, that we stayed <laughs> we stayed connected here for a while. But um, we, we need to pick this up again because I feel like there's a whole lot more that, that you could talk about and I would want to hear about. But um, could we do that? Could we get together somewhere oh, down the Larry, road? I'll- I would love to. Um, you know, I I could I can, I can play for you um, the next time, and you can talk about um, all my chop problems that I've encountered on the road, and how to. Uh, oh. You know, I can I can tell you my famous crazy glue um, lip thing, oh. <laughs> and uh, yeah, you, you sure let, let's let's do it again. Okay. Please. Okay. That well, Please. that right there uh, has got me intrigued. So you know, we'll uh, <laughs> we'll set something up. Uh, a few months down the road. Um, okay. But uh, I tell you what, let's let, let me wrap it up here and I'm going to do a, don't go anywhere. I'm going to do a quick uh, promo for some other things coming up. Uh, of course, uh, thanks to Eric and Yashiro here tonight. And this has been a lot of fun, uh, even in spite of my 15 minutes of, of rambling at the beginning. Um, so just a reminder for everybody that this Saturday is the next one. Uh, next live interview, and that's with Sergey. Uh, he's he's kind of an okay player, right? I mean, he's he's not bad. <laughs> yeah, he's okay. He's yeah. okay. <clears throat> but that's a Saturday morning, uh, nine a.m. 
and I think he's uh, he's in Taiwan. I think they're on the same time. No, he's in Hong Kong. He's in Hong Kong right now. So, uh, anyways, nine a.m. and then uh, a couple weeks later uh, on April twentieth, Mark Gould is going to be on. And then at the end of the month, uh, speaking of DiMartinos, we have Gabriel DiMartino, an absolutely spectacular trumpet player and educator himself. And of course, all of this month, generously sponsored by Trent Austin and Austin Austin Custom Brass. I have tripped over Austin every single time I've said that tonight, but uh, find out more at austincustombrass.biz.biz. Uh, Trent will be glad to hear from you. Um, so, yeah, Eric, thank you uh, again for being here. And what a pleasure to, to get to meet you. Know, I, I, yes, I've tried for a long time to get you as a guest, but I've been a longtime fan. You know, so this has been a, been a treat to sit and, and, uh, and chat with you tonight. Learned a lot and uh, had a great time. Well, thank you. It's always a pleasure to be, uh, you know, be able to uh, talk about, the, you know, the things that... I love the most. Yeah. And especially with, with a trumpet player. Oh, man. I, 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 lo I love trumpet players. They're the, the best. <laughs> we're, we're not too bad, right? We, we're okay. We're, we're okay. <laughs> all right, man. Yeah. It's, it's so, great, man. All right. Well, uh, Eric, again, hang on. I'm going to sign off here, everybody who tuned in. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, oh, I'm going to say this. Noel Gosling, right? Uh, Dan Gosling, the chop saber guy. His wife just uh, just commented crazy glue. Right. So I think you've uh, intrigued her as well. We're going to have to get to that story uh, down the road. But uh, Noel, thanks for tuning in. Uh, David Wolf, Bruno, of course, uh, Ryan Nottingham. These are all friends of ours. Uh, great people, all trumpet players. Well, Noel's a violinist, but uh, we still like her. Um, so everybody, thanks for tuning in. And uh, we'll see you hopefully at the next live interview. Okay. <laughs>